The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Welcome to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. I'm your host, and for the next hour, we're going to be discussing competition shooting exclusively. Uh, I know in other shows, we kind of mix it up, but I thought today would be a really good day to bring you uh, three different views of competition, what what it's about, and, and how you can get started if you're interested in competition shooting. Our first guest is a good friend of mine. His name is Dan Bramley. He's an F-class open shooter. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. Uh, why don't you um, start off by letting our listeners know a little bit about who you are, where you grew up, how you got involved in firearms, and, and what your passion is. Sure. Uh, my name's Dan Bramley. I grew up here in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, I grew up with firearms, a lot of hunting, uh, informal competition shooting with my father. Uh, we, we shot at Rio Salado back in the mid-80s, early 90s, uh, some three-gun kind of stuff. Um, we grew up reloading, nothing nothing overly particular, just trying to make factory rifles shoot the best they could. From there, I shot a little bit of small bore and a little bit of high-power silhouette. Uh, probably started shooting that in the early 2000s. Shot that for a couple of years. Uh, I had a friend that uh, built a rifle for me. It was my first uh, F-open rifle. Uh, and it was just super accurate rifle. That led me to shoot a F-class match or a prone match at Real Salado, probably 2010, and uh, and I had a lot of success sh- uh, shooting F-open with that particular rifle. And from there, it just kind of blossomed into serious F-class shooting, multiple rifles, um, I uh, started shooting the Burger Nationals, which is a huge match here locally. Uh, ended up shooting uh, quite a few matches uh, in other states, even other countries. And then eventually uh, worked my way onto the United States F-Open Rifle Team, where we uh, are going to compete in August in the world up in uh, Ottawa, Canada. Um, so you've mentioned... Um and I mentioned F-Class Open. Uh, F-Class is, is a fairly new type of competition, isn't it? Uh, uh, can you describe for our listeners exactly what F-Class and the Open division is all about? So F-Class in general is comprised of two major subcategories. There's F-Open. Uh, in F-Open, we shoot off a front rest and a rear sandbag. Uh, those rifles are pretty much unlimited other than they need to be under... 22 pounds or 10 kilograms, and they need to be a 338 or less caliber rifle. Uh, FTR is comprised uh, of uh, uh, rifles that can be 18 pounds or less, 
and shoot off a bipod on the front and a rear sandbag in the back, those rifles need to be either 308 or 223. So for us in F Open, it's I, I, I kind of tend to think of it a little bit more like Formula One cars. It's pretty unlimited. We're allowed to customize calibers and, and chambers, uh, barrel size. We can pretty much do anything we want. We just need to keep it under those weight restrictions and under um, the 338 caliber rule. So what caliber do you shoot? You know, I, I, I think of S-Class uh, Open as a lot like golf. You know, I, I've got quite a bag of rifles to choose from. So in the uh, mid-range, if it's um, fairly calm, I'll shoot a 6mm, primarily a 6-dasher it's almost surgically accurate. Uh, we can typically keep those guns in about a two and a half inch group at 500 yards with without any real wind. If it's windy mid-range day, I'll reach for a little bit bigger gun, usually a seven millimeter. Uh, most people are shooting either uh, straight 284s or Shahanes, which are just a slight variant of a 284. For thousand yard or long range, eight, nine, and a thousand. We tend to mostly shoot 7 millimeters, the same 284, the Shahane, on fairly calm days. If it gets windy and we're shooting 1,000 yards, we reach for the big guns. Uh, big guns are usually either 7 R-SOMs or uh, 300 Winchester short magnums are pretty popular these days. So you're talking like uh, everybody who shoots this has to have five or six different rifles to choose from. I know that's not the case, and I know especially for people who have never shot before and want to get into it, if they they came up with just one rifle and were going to shoot every competition that they could get into, there wouldn't be anything that, that would keep them from it if, if they just say had a, a 6.5 or a, let's say they built a 284. They could yeah. shoot that in, in all distances and in any um, conditions and be able to compete. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right, Kelly. You can shoot one gun for all distances. You know, I, I could probably pair, play a fairly decent round of golf with just seven iron. And, uh, I, I think that I would encourage people to come out and shoot. I don't, it, to me, it doesn't matter if you have a 308 precision Remington or, or any, any rifle that'll, that'll safely and accurately make it to a to 1,000 yards, come out and compete. I, David Gosnell, one of the top F-class shooters in the world, strictly shoots at 284. He shoots it for everything. He shoots at mid-range, long-range, windy, non-windy. So it's pretty obvious you can be extremely competitive with just one caliber. For us, we have the option of having different guns, and so we try to pick and choose the right gun for the right match, so to speak, but certainly does not have to be the case. Well, I know you shoot for the U.S. rifle team on the F-Class team, and so you're at the very top of your game. Uh, Correct. If I remember correctly, you placed fifth at the, the Burger Nationals here, Southwest Nationals here uh, in uh, February. Um, mm-hmm. Very top tier of shooters, so you have the luxury of being able to spend enough time on the range to be able to understand what differences there are at the different ranges, the conditions, and and why for you one caliber might work on a day, might work a little bit better on a day where um, a guy who just had one rifle is going to learn to read those conditions and to, every time he goes out with the same gun, at least he has uh, that knowledge that 
the conditions are what changes from day to day. If he's shooting the same firearm, he probably has a better chance of, of learning those conditions and what they mean to that given caliber and bullet weight and velocity than if he were trying to match his learning uh, with learning about different calibers and how they react differently. That's absolutely true. You know, if uh, if I could just have one rifle, I would I'd pick a straight 284. It's very accurate. Uh, you can buy stock dies for it. Uh, the the we we have um, now we have Norma came out with 284 brass, so it's uh, it's it's very user friendly. It's great place for beginning. I I know several. Uh, top-tier F-open shooters that are going back to just a straight 284. You know, and in and, and, and the burgers, I shot a straight 284 for the whole long-range portion. I'm sorry. I shot a, a 284 Shaheen for the entire long-range portion. I shot my 6mm only for the mid-range part of that. So, yeah, I, th- I think one guy shooting one gun can, can be quite competitive, and, and I think it's a great place to start. Hey, Dan, Zev here. How are you? Good. Good. Um, I wanted to, first of all, thank you in, in getting you set up for the show. Um, I sent you a picture of my, my daughter uh, yeah. doing some small bore uh, at the NRA uh, practices up at Ben Avery. And you uh, let me know that your daughter also shoots, and I believe, in the F Open class? Correct. What would a, you know somebody who's a youth... Uh, use for that? Would it again be the 284? Is that what you would suggest? Well, Madison shoots a 284. I, I think the 284 certainly has a little more recoil than than other options. I, I think the 6547 is a great option for juniors out to 1,000 yards. I think that once you start getting under that, like in the 6BRs, you know, on days that it's not windy, it's fun. On days that it's windy, they'll miss the target, and that, and that's frustrating for them. So I think a 6.547 is a great place to start. For juniors, the recoil is relatively minimum. You know, if they're 15 and above, I, I think a 284 is a good caliber. It's, the recoil is not bad, especially in a 22-pound F-open rifle, but it's um, ballistically a superior round to just about anything else. Well, my daughter, Sivan, is going to turn 13 uh, uh, this month on March 19th is her birthday. So mm-hmm. uh, what would you suggest for me to take her from small bore uh, into the F-open class? When would be a good age, uh, and, and what would the steps be for any kid she's, that wanted to get in? Yeah, she's plenty old enough. What I would do is put her in a 6BR or a 6-dasher. Uh, I shoot a 6-dasher, but a 6BR is good enough. Uh, I would take her to to uh, Phoenix or South Mountain and let her shoot some 500-yard matches there. Uh, we shoot there all the time. The wind there is relatively calm, and so it's a great opportunity for kids with accurate rifles to shoot good scores, you know, get them excited, you know, shoot lots of Xs, really makes them want to come back. Well, what I've seen with Madison is that, uh, you know, giving her a great rifle and letting her have some success is really encourage her to want to shoot more. In fact, I can't get her into small board to shoot because she's having so much success with open. She just wants to stay with what's working. And so uh, a 6BR, 6-dash, or something in the 6-millimeter range, almost zero recoil. Um, put it, I'd shoot them F, F open. They put the gun on the rest. They don't have to support it by a bipod or try and manipulate it. And they can, 
you know, the wind's pretty calm, so they're not going to learn a ton about the wind, but they're going to get, they're going to shoot good scores, and, and that kind of hooks them. And then we can, I would move, if they can consistently shoot 590 or 585 and above, then I think they're ready for 1,000-yard range. Okay, and one more question on that. What does somebody need to consider financially to get them started in a, in a conservative manner as it relates sure. to, uh, as it relates to, you know, the actual uh, rifle, any other gear they might need? What are we talking sure. about, an investment of three or $4,000 or more? Well, I, I think it's pretty much like everything else. You can, you can start as small or as big as you, you, your, your limits allow. Um, I think that uh, a great place to start is uh, any kind of a front rest. Um, we use Seb, uh, front, Neo front rest, the best they make, but it doesn't have to be that, it doesn't have to be that fancy. Seb also makes a, a mini. It's like five, 600 bucks. Great rest. Um, you know, a Savage Model 12, uh, they make one in 6BR, and that is a pretty accurate rifle for a factory rifle. Um, you know, custom actions and custom barrels and, and uh, you know, of course, uh, all of our McMillan stocks that we all use, you know, uh, certainly all that together can, can would be more expensive than a factory rifle, but but I, I think somebody coming out of the gate that, that just wants to, Dabble in it to see if um, to see if it's going to be something they're going to enjoy. I think uh, a savage front rest. You know, with the gun and rest and stuff, you could probably spend three thousand, four thousand dollars total and be ready to be competitive. Uh, it's a little less if you started with FTR. You know, the front rest is expensive versus the bipod and and uh, you know. Right. But but I, I think a savage model twelve in six BR is a great place to start. If they like it and enjoy it, then or talk to somebody that's selling an F open rifle. You have the stock and the action. You know, maybe you just have to put a new barrel on it for four or five hundred bucks, and and you'd be right where you want to be. Thank you. Well, there's one thing that I know that we haven't talked about yet. Trigger time. We've talked about spending some time on the range, but especially for a youngster who just wants to get into to the shooting. It's not something that is going to be very easy for them to get to the point where they're happy with their performance unless they've got somebody uh, sitting beside them that has, is experienced and can coach them. And, and I'm not talking necessarily about paid coaches, but in, in F class, having somebody sit beside you, read the wind and, and be able to communicate with you what the conditions are and working, that's a a pretty big part of the competition, isn't it, Dan? It, it absolutely is. And, and I, I don't know any F open shooters uh, in myself, absolutely included that didn't have a mentor. You know, when I started an F open, a lot of my friends that I shoot with now uh, were, had been shooting F open for years. And so we had somebody to talk to about the equipment needed, you know, where could we cut corners? Where could we not cut corners? Plus, even today, uh, I lay down with friends and, you know, we shoot together. You know, I shoot uh, a round and we talk about the wind. What do you see? What do I see? All oh, those flags are tipping up a little bit. All oh, the mirage is down a little bit. And, you know, we'll discuss it. Okay, two and a quarter minutes. We'll fire around. We'll see where it comes up. And then we'll talk about why we were right or why we were wrong. And so I, and Madison was the same way. She has some, Madison's my, my 15-year-old daughter. She has some kind of innate ability to just uh, 
kind of know where the bullets are going to go. She doesn't, we don't talk about it much. She has no real method of being able to explain it. But in the beginning, you know, she would coach me. So I would just lay down and she would tell me where she wanted me to, to, to hold the scope to fire the round. And, you know, I'd shoot it and we'd see where it came up. And then we would talk about, you know, why it's too far to the left or why it's too far to the right. And then she would shoot a string and I would coach her. And for me, that was great practice. When you coach and you don't have to shoot, you can really focus on the, the win. You don't have to focus so much on executing every single shot. So it, it, for those youngsters that want to come out and learn, I would highly encourage you to come on out. There isn't a shooter I know of that, that we run around with that wouldn't take a junior or a, or a youngster under their wing and give them every single option. I mean, we've, we have a high school here in, in Arizona, the uh, Wickenburg Junior, uh, Wickenburg High School Rifle Team. They bring out kids all the time. They're doing the best they can with the equipment they have. But, you know, myself and some of my friends have loaded up 70 rounds of our very best ammunition for some of our very best guns and told the coach, here's a, a rifle, put one of your juniors on it and let them have a good time. And, and they get to shoot great scores with good rifles and have a great time doing it. So... If there is a junior that's interested, go to your local club, try and get in contact with some F-Open people, and, and just ask if, if you can be involved, and almost so certainly the they'll do everything they can to help you out. Dan, what's the name of your club? Uh, we shoot uh, with, through Desert Sharpshooters. Desert Sharpshooters has a website, has our calendar on it. Um, on that calendar, it lists not only the stuff at Ben Avery, but it lists the uh, matches that are going on at Rio Salado and uh, Phoenix Rod and Gun Club. Well, Dan, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, time flies when you have a great guest like you. I really appreciate you being on the show. I uh, hope to have you back so we can share some more of this information. Uh, that's uh, Desert Sharpshooters for anyone in the Phoenix area who wants to learn more about F-Class. And uh, uh, as Dan has offered me uh, to, to come out and shoot with him, I'm sure that you, you show up on the range, you watch him shoot, you'll find somebody that's going to uh, help to mentor you. Dan, once again, thanks for, for being here. Thanks Thanks for uh, be doing your part for furthering the shooting sports with the kids. I really appreciate that and look forward to seeing you on the range again. Absolutely. Thanks, Kelly. And for our listeners, uh, stick with us for the next few minutes and we'll be back after a commercial break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. For over 40 years, Macmillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gunstock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds 
Bart. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Uh, first segment was fast as is normally the case when you have such a great guest on. Dan did a really good job. Now I have joining me Nancy Tompkins. Um, anybody who knows anything about high power knows the name, knows the woman. She's uh, involved in shooting all around the country. She's local here in Phoenix, and uh, just about any time there's a, a high power, full bore, F class match uh, at Ben Avery, you'll see her out there. And if not competing, she's uh, contributing by helping to run the match. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I'm good, Kelly. How are you? I'm doing real good. I really appreciate you being on the show today, and I think we're going to find that uh, you've got a lot of information that we can pass on to our listeners about uh, competition shooting. Well, I certainly hope so, because I know I wouldn't have gotten into shooting if I didn't have a lot of good mentors in the beginning to help me out. Well, that's awesome. And I'm going to ask you to share a little bit about your history, your husband's history, uh, your daughter's history. Uh, and I don't want to take up the, the entire time with that. I know you could with all of the accomplishments in your family. We could spend the next 15 minutes talking about what you've done. But just give our listeners just a little bit background about why I think you're such a great guest and, um, and why I've come to know you to be one of the best shooters in the world. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I started shooting back when I was in seventh grade, and my dad was a police officer that taught hunter safety, and the last night of the class, we went to the local junior club, and it was a great place to start. You know, I started small bore, and we had three coaches there. My dad was one of them, and I started shooting small bore through there, and you know, shooting small bore, you learn a lot of the basics without the recoil, so you don't pick up trigger jerk and all that stuff. And then from there, I moved into high power, and then through the years, I've done F class, and, you know, I've just kind of kept with it, you know, mainly because the people are so fantastic in our sport. And then well, the- my husband, he's been shooting forever, longer than me. Um, he won the World F class championships about 10 years ago, and He's won the nationals at Camp Perry, I think, seven times, and he—it's been a lifelong journey for him, also. So, and then my girls, Michelle and Sherry Gallagher. Michelle works for Burger, Burger Bullets now, and um, she mainly shoots F class, but still shoots some slain high power long range. And my other daughter, Sherry Gallagher, is in the Army with the Golden Knights. That's the skydiving team. And she's won the Nationals also. So the whole family's done really well, but I think the big secret to it is having fun. Well, I agree with that 100%. And I think the fact that uh, both of your daughters chose to kind of follow in their parents' footsteps proves that, you know, a family that shoots together stays together. And if it wasn't fun, they wouldn't be doing it. I know I had kids that uh, they didn't want to do things if it wasn't fun for them. So uh, that's a, a great testament to the kind of parents that you were as well. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about is I, I get confused. I've been around the shooting sports for almost all my life, and I get confused. Now there's there's full bore, there's NRA high power, there's uh, Palma. There, 
there's a bunch of different kinds of competitions that all look the same from the outside. Um, and I'm, I'm, kind of confused can you kind of straighten me out on what's what and 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 what we might see if we were to go out to the range at ben avery and and saw a match from the thousand yard line sure um basically high power shooting consists of different disciplines you have across the course shooting which you shoot three different positions from 200 yards back to 600 yards those positions are standing sitting rapid fire, prone rapid fire, and then 600 yards prone slow fire. Then you have long-range shooting, which is 1,000-yard shooting, and in that you can throw in palma shooting, which is 800, 900, and 1,000 yards. And all these disciplines are done with a 308 with iron sights. And then um, full bore is basically palma shooting with... It, that's how the international teams do it. So anywhere else in the world that you go and shoot prone, slow fire, you're shooting full bore. So they do incorporate some full bore into the U.S. here, and we do have some full bore matches. So it sounds to me like most of this competition is all uh, iron sights, but I do know that at Camp Perry, during the long-range championships, they have the Wimbledon Cup, which is any rifle, any sight. Uh, so they yeah. actually do have classes where you get to shoot a scope, right? They do. There are... You know, like probably twice a year I'll shoot scope with my high-power competitions. So usually during the Southwest Nationals, which is a big match in Phoenix, I'll shoot scope during that and also one time at Camp Perry. The rest of it is mainly all iron sight shooting. And so do you think that uh, the reason, one of the reasons that F-Class has grown as fast as it has is because th- those rifles all are, are scoped rifles as opposed to iron sights? I, I, I'm just guessing that it might be more difficult to learn to shoot well iron sights than it would be with a scope. Am I wrong? It, it depends on your eyesight. Um, iron sights really aren't that bad. I mean, basically, you're taking the bullseye, which is a circle, and then you're putting it in your sight, the aperture, which is a ring. So you're basically just centering a circle in a ring. And as long as you have good eyesight, it's not that hard to do. But there are people that, you know, are visually challenged. And so, yes, optics are a great addition, you know, via F-Class. And they also have it now in most high-power shooting. I think all high-power across-the-course shooting just switched over to optics, which is brand new for the shooting sports. Well, I think that's good, and I think they make changes in matches like that uh, in order to keep people interested and excited and get more people in, and and uh, for the most part, changes are good. Um, you know, one of the things that you did is you introduced your kids at a young age. I'd like for you to talk about how you see the most effective way of getting involved in any types of these disciplines, and I, and I know which one you choose basically happens to be the person that you kind of gravitate to on the range that's going to end up being your mentor, I'm sure. And one one phase of shooting is, is as rewarding as the other. So I don't really think it matters which type of competition that you get into as long as you get involved in the shooting sports in some way. What's the best way for for people in, in Phoenix and uh, the Valley here to, to get involved in competition shooting? Well, the first thing you need to do is find a local shooting club. And I know in the Phoenix area, we have Ben Avery, Rio Salado, and South Mountain. And I don't know that much about Rio Salado because I don't shoot out there. 
just because of location. But South Mountain, I know, has a junior club, and they also have, you know, shooting where, you know, adults can go out there. And then at Ben Avery, if you go to the public range, you can get information on classes for, you know, both rifle and pistol. And through the classes, you know, you can learn, you know, you, you pick what level you're at. If you're a brand-new shooter, you know, first thing is learning safety classes. And then from there, you know, you could take defense classes or, um, you know, get come over to the high-power range, you know, when we're having a match. I know Dan mentioned Desert Sharpshooters webpage. We have all the matches listed on there. And for anybody that's interested in long-range shooting or even, you know, short-range shooting, you know, we do it all. Um, just look at the schedule and show up to a time that there's a match and the shooters are great people. You know, you just walk up to the line, look for somebody that's not busy and ask a question and people just give you all kinds of information on how to get started. That's a really good point. One of the things that I really like about F-Class and, and uh, the full bore and, and the high power, all of you guys that shoot at the same time, is this really is about advancing the sport. Uh, you share secrets. You, I mean, you don't keep secrets. You share what you're doing. Uh, you really want it to be a shooter competition and not necessarily the guy who's got the uh, the hottest load or, or whatever. Now, I know everybody works up their own loads and they do that, but pretty much the information is shared pretty freely. I totally agree with that. You know, people all the time used to ask me, oh, what's your secret? What's your secret? And it's like, um, my secret is we have fun, you know, because if you're not having fun doing something, you really shouldn't be doing it. So, you know, you go up to the shooters and, you know, if you're excited about something or interested in something, they're going to share with you and they're going to help you. And, you know, if you go there during, you know, the practices, I know on the high power range, we usually have practices on Wednesday and Thursday. And if you go during those times, people work together. They're not, like, working, you know, against each other. You know, if you see somebody doing something wrong, you say, hey, do you realize you're doing this? Or, you know, if you try this, this might help. Or, you know, we do wind reading together. And that, that's how people learn. And as people learn and get better at their sport, they enjoy it more. And the more people enjoy it, the longer they're going to stay in it. Hey, Nancy Zev here. Um, I, I saw you at the Southwest Nationals, and I wonder if you heard about the story there of the Scottish young lady who uh, had her stock delivered, or had her rifle delivered, and it came with a broken stock, and somebody there had the same type of stock and was able to loan it to her to compete. Uh, are you aware of that? Um, yes, I was actually in a restaurant waiting for the Super Bowl to start, and I got a text from one of my Scottish friends, and he's like, uh-oh. You know, Lindsay got over here with her rifle, and she hadn't taken the barreled action out of the stock, which is something you should always do when you fly. And unfortunately, the, the stock broke. So I got on my phone, and I texted four of my friends, and within two minutes, I was offered stocks, complete rifles. Um, you know, again, everybody just jumps in there, and you try and help each other out. And that's one reason I love the shooting sports is, People are nice. You know, you can yes, be at a national I was very impressed with that. And Sorry? Then you spent, I said I was very impressed with that. And then you spent quite a bit of time with her, making sure she was squared away. And uh, it just it was really nice to see. So to the point we're talking about, that, that is awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, that, that, that's what you do. You know, especially, 
you know, you do it at any time, but when somebody's traveling overseas, you know, I've gone overseas before and people have had stocks broken or, you know, equipment didn't show up. You know, a couple of years ago we went to Ireland and one of the one of our shooters, his friend front rest didn't make it over there and next day there were like four front rests there waiting for him. <laughs> and that's just what people do. It's great. Well, I can't do anything about missing rests or lost luggage, but I can help with the broken stock department. I can pretty much assure you that none of those broken stocks were McMillan's. You know what? They were not. <laughs> okay. Uh, good. I, I'm glad you cleared that up for us. Um, yes, sir. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about how to get started. Uh, one of the things that we talked about earlier in the show was shooting with kids. Uh, Zev's daughter's going to be 13 really quick. Uh, in this day and age, it's not likely that a parent is going to bring a kid to the range, drop him off, and then come pick him up two hours later, uh, especially around firearms. I think uh, parents these days would want to stay right on top of them. But for the benefit of our listeners, what do you think is a good age for uh, someone who really has a passion for shooting, but their parents don't necessarily, and um, you know, that they could be on the range uh, in a capacity that didn't require, you know, being babysat. Well, I know Ben Avery and South Mountain have junior clubs. I don't know what their age requirements are, but I would say a junior club is the perfect way to get, a, you know, a young person started in the shooting sports because, first of all, they're handed equipment and they're given guidance, and, you know, you have somebody there. It's a, you know, it's a structured environment, and you have somebody there teaching them, and it's something they can look forward to every week. And, you know, the parents can stay there and hang out, or, you know, if they want to go get a drink and come back, they're, they're in a good environment. And I, I would check with both of those ranges and, you know, find out about the programs. That's so, great you know, information. That's, that's really a good suggestion, something that I just hadn't thought of. Um, so I, I recommend all of our listeners that have children that, that want to shoot, um, check out the ranges and the clubs locally and uh, get involved in one of the youth teams. Hey, Nancy, you've been a great guest. As I said, uh, time just flies when you're really talking about really important stuff. Uh, I'm sorry our time's up, but I really would love to have you back again if you'd have me. Well, I appreciate it, and I enjoyed it. And I have to say, when I shoot, I never get nervous. I was nervous being on here, but your calming voice made me not nervous, so thank you. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. You didn't sound nervous at all. You were really great, and, and I really thank appreciate you. having you. And for the rest of our listeners, we've got one more segment to do. Stick around for the next few minutes during this commercial break, and we'll be right back with our next guest. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports for over 40 years mcmillan usa has been at the leading edge of the gun stock industry the company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form function and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks from tactical to hunting to competitive shooting mcmillan stocks are designed to dominate 
Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Uh, it's been a great show so far. I've, I really love talking to competitive shooters. One of the things that we've have all three of these guests have in common is that they're such great people, and they're so easy to get along with. And I think that's one of the things that that I've noticed uh, spending as much time on the range as I have lately. Um, for most people, uh, McMillan fiberglass stocks got their start in competition shooting when making bench rest stocks. Uh, but uh, while I was running the rifle company, I took a, a little time off from the competition circuits and the sponsorship to focus on the rifle company. But now that that's uh, gone, uh, I'm back focusing on where McMillan really belongs, and that is... Uh, you know, at the uh, the winners table and uh, uh, with the shooters. Uh, my next guest, Ian Clem, is a member of the USA shooting uh, rifle team, uh, shooting on the F class FTR. Uh, I met Ian not too long ago when uh, we were working on developing some stocks specifically made for FTR, and I got to know a little bit more about the sport. Hi, Ian. Thanks for being with us. Well, guys, thanks for the invitation. It's fun for me to join you today. So I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. I want you to talk about some of your uh, successes in shooting. I want people to understand why I chose you to be on the show and and know that when you talk about this stuff that you really have a, a place of experience that you're talking from. So um, start uh, way back when you were young and how you got involved in shooting and, and what uh, the firearms um, industry and shooting sports means to you. Okay, well, you know, uh, I hate talking about myself, but uh, if you're twisting my arm here, um, you know, as a as a young uh, boy, it was my dad, really, that, uh, like a lot of us, that got me going. And growing up in the middle of Wisconsin during the wintertime, you're kind of looking, you kind of you got that cabin fever going, you're looking for an outlet. And back then, um, I'm late 30s now, back then, we had grade schools that had shooting ranges in their basements so usually weekly you know maybe on Wednesday night fathers and sons would get together and we'd compete against each other in small bore during those long winter months in Wisconsin and that was really my first taste of competitive rifle shooting that's kind of what what uh, got a deep-seated interest um, kind of growing inside and from that point on you know I was pretty much interested in just about anything that had to do with precision marksmanship uh, growing up, learning how to load ammunition, going off to college, studying some mechanical engineering, and then eventually moving out to D.C. where I worked in the Defense Department and um, specialized in weapon systems and, and armor design and terminal ballistics and things like that. Um, and now 
working for Vortex Optics, getting to design uh, scopes, you know, for a living is is pretty cool. So that's kind of my my background and and how I got interested in precision marksmanship in general. Okay, so that got you to F class FTR. Uh, do me a favor and and let our listeners know exactly what F class FTR is. And I, I I guess is it is it FTR? I mean, uh, how do yeah. you even say what you do? Sure. So um, F class is part of full bore or high power. It's a it's a subdiscipline. And it was really back in the mid to late 1990s, there was a gentleman up in Canada named George Parkinson. And he was a target rifle shooter, um, like your previous guest, Nancy. You know, he um, specialized in slings and iron sights. But he approached the Dominion of Canada Rifle Association, which is sort of like their NRA, and said, you know, I think it would be a good idea if we created this separate class that could use scopes and bipods. That was the to boil it down, that was the general idea. And so everyone thought it was a good idea. They named it after him. F and F class stands for his surname, Parkinson. And it really just kind of took off. I think in the beginning it was sort of a way to help maybe older shooters stay in the game. And no one really anticipated that it would be as popular as it's become, but it's kind of a worldwide phenomenon now um, with a full sanctioning global uh, body and, and whatnot. Um, so that's F-Class in general. Now it's broken up into two disciplines, F-Open and FTR. So I specialize in FTR, and that stands for Farkasin Target Rifle. Some people think it might be Tactical Rifle because predominantly we use 308 Winchester rifles, but it really stands for Target Rifle, and it differs from F-Open. So I'll start with F-Open. F-Open, you can shoot a caliber up to 35 caliber and smaller. You have a weight limit, and that weight limit is 10 kilograms, roughly 22 pounds, and you can use a mechanical front rest. Now, we're talking about prone-style shooting, so this is all shot in the prone position, and it's shot from distances that vary like 300 to 1,200 yards. Um, But uh, FTR, contrasting with F-Open, is you're limited to a 308 Winchester or a 223 Remington, Almost everyone shoots a 308, especially at long range, just because it's a, a ballistically better. And your weight limit is quite a bit less than the F-Open. You're only allowed eight and a quarter kilograms, which translates to about 18 pounds. But the hitch is that includes your support, so that includes your bipod. And you're only allowed to use a bipod for FTR. So... It's sort of like when I'm describing it to new to folks that aren't familiar. It's sort of like comparing stock car racing with um, top fuel drag racers or something like that. Ian Zev here. I, I have two questions. So the 18 pound limit on the FTR, um, you said includes the uh, the bipod and I guess a scope. Does it include the rear sandbag as well or? No. A good way to sort of draw the line in what's included and what isn't is if you were to um, uh, go forward to the firing line and pick up one of these competition rifles, anything that comes with the rifle as you attempt to lift it up counts in the weight. So the bipod would stay put, and that doesn't, uh, that doesn't uh, get factored into the weight. Got it. And as you know, McMillan is heavily involved in the new sport of extreme long range. Um, and kind of the, the protocols are being developed for that. 
And one of the questions that have been brought up just recently is, what if somebody who has a, uh, a medical issue um, that isn't able to be in the prone, um, they're talking about creating some kind of a bench um, uh, situation for them. Is there something similar in F-Class and FTR to allow those who may have a medical issue be a part of it? That's a good question. Yeah, there is, and that's probably the precedent that they're sort of relying on um, formulating those new ELR rules. But it has to do with um, inclusiveness, and if someone has a legitimate medical reason for um, not being able to assume the prone position and having to shoot from that bench, um, there's provisions for that. They can um, appeal to their governing body. In our case, in this country, it's the NRA, and get a certified letter um, approving that um, so that they can join in and, and continue to participate. Okay, thank you. You know, I asked you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, but you neglected to uh, list any of your accomplishments uh, in the competition world. Uh, so I'm going to force you to talk about that. Um, I know everybody on the the USA rifle team is preparing for the world championships, which is coming up in August. And I think the uh, you're actually trying out by your performances uh, up until you know shortly before that to to make the eight man shooting team is that correct yeah so right now there's gosh there's probably about two dozen contenders on the US rifle team and we've been poked and prodded and evaluated for the past couple of years and the captain and uh, adjutant are now coming to the point where they're going to have to down select to that eight man Richardson squad and a four man Rutland squad so I don't envy the position that they're in because they've got just an embarrassment of riches to choose from there's 24 of the of the uh, best shooters that I've ever met, men and women, uh, old and young. And um, they all have sort of a a list, a pedigree of accomplishments, uh, some, you know, much longer than my own. Uh, So it's it's humbling to be part of that group. Uh, I've learned a lot um, just being able to shoot next to them for the past two years during different tryouts and training sessions and things like that. But uh, it's... It's going to be a tough choice, um, narrowing it down to the eight. We're, we're all kind of competitive by nature, you know, um, but it's, it's definitely a team effort. And um, whatever role we can play, whatever role we can earn, if it's scorekeeping or if it's, you know, plotting or something like that, it's, it's seen as a contribution towards hopefully a win to come, come August. Um, well, I don't know what all of the criteria are that they're judging this on, but but I'm telling you, by your performance, uh, the last couple of matches, I, I think you you had a pretty good performance um, back in October. I think didn't you? Um, even though you weren't shooting a true F class stock or FTR stock, uh, you were shooting a McMillan prone, which which for high power shooting when you're slung in. It's awesome, but it had a little, a few drawbacks that you somehow became able to overcome. Um, and then just recently switching to the uh, the brand new left-handed FTR, you cleaned house at, at the uh, Burger Nationals. That was uh, probably, I would say, one of the better performances overall from short mid-range to long-range and, and team uh, that I can remember seeing in a while. Well, I appreciate that. It's I have to admit it's kind of exciting because 
it's one of those situations where I didn't quite know what I was missing. You know, I'm, I was pretty ignorantly blissful, uh, maybe undervaluing the contribution that a stock can make to a target rifle, um, thinking, well, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm holding my own. And then when I made the switch, and it's, it's so rewarding when you can just change one thing, one variable, because you know without a doubt that you can attribute you know the difference to that variable. You know when you're when you're running these tests. So the only thing I did change was was that stock going to the McMillan exit stock, and the whole plane ride home. I was just thinking, wow, you know that was the first time I tried it, literally the first time. And uh, what else? What else can be done? You know what's going to happen next time? Um, so it was it was kind of invigorating and uh, and fun to 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 do that, especially to to share that experience with dad. Um, I mentioned, you know, the, the disparate ages, there's some young, there's some old, uh, and that's one of the really neat things. Your previous guest, guest Nancy probably touched on it, but, um, you know, what other sport could I compete at a national and world level with my own father? And he's rounding 70 years old now. And, you know, I look at some of the, the other, um, senior members of this community, like Mr. Jim Murphy or Mr. Danny Biggs or Mr. Bob Bach, and I shoot next to them and I see how they're shooting and how well they're shooting and the patience that they have. And it makes me excited that Dad and I will be able to share this for quite a few years, I think. Well, you know, Ian uh, Zev here, it, it's interesting to watch uh, as a spectator the sport and you kind of see people using the same type of, you know, rests and the same type of bags and you know, uh, obviously the stocks and the and the actions and barrels are are different, but uh, I got to say that the, you know, you made a huge impression on me for having a real differentiator in your shooting style uh, in not using a cheek piece. Can you tell me what that's all about? Yeah, I mean, I, I catch some grief for it to be honest from teammates and um, folks that know better than me probably say I shouldn't be doing that, but it's a little bit of the i'm not trying to be different but it's a little bit of the the scientist i guess in me and that personal validity speaks volumes and if if i try something and it works you know i kind of i kind of rely on that and and so what i found out was that um you know uh with with kind of the round face that i have if i if i take that cheek piece off i can I can uh, position my head exactly where I want it to be and get a little bit better sight picture through that scope. And it, uh, it seems to work. And if something works, you know, uh, I really put a lot of weight on that. And um, probably in the off-season, you know, I'll put the cheek piece back on and, and um, try and see if I can assimilate <laughs> with, so with where, my teammates. Where does strength come from to keep your neck up, you know, exactly where you need it for the – for the scope, how do you do that? Yeah, it didn't work at first. You know, I tried it, and and you know the precision was good for a few groups, but then it was it was so painful that it, it was distracting, and I had to stop. So I knew that hey, if I can get this to work, it's worth it. Um, so a friend and teammate, actually Dan Polable, uh, he said, you know what I do is is I set my rifle up in the living room and get behind it and just get to know it. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I'll pick some excuse, like uh, 
you know, I'm talking on the phone, and, and while I'm talking, I'll just be laying behind my rifle and uh, strengthening my, my shoulders and my back and my neck. And um, he said he'd even watch TV doing that. So I thought, well, I'll give it a, I'll give it a try. And um, sure enough, it got to the point where I was watching a full movie behind my rifle, um, strengthening my neck, holding my head up. And it was just sort of a matter of conditioning. And now it's second nature. I don't have to think about it. It's comfortable to me. Um, I don't get distracted by by muscle fatigue or anything like that. Well, thanks for sharing that story with us, Ian. And and darn, we're out of time. God, I hate this. I'd really love to have like a three-hour show so I didn't have to tell anybody, sorry, we we can't talk anymore. Uh, But I'm not going to let you get out of here until we talk about your performance at, at uh, the Burger Nationals, uh, you, your your team, uh, a four man team, including your father, and I was so impressed with the fact that your father uh, was capable of shooting with your team, which set a, a match record and a national record f- f- for mid range, right? Yep, yep. And um, then the same four men won the long range team. So I mean, <laughs> you made about five trips up to the uh, winners table uh, at the award ceremony. Yeah, it it was, uh, you know, sometimes you just have a good week and, and maybe I was due for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we ended up uh, cleaning the target a few times, um, won the mid-range portion of the Southwest Nationals, um, broke a national record during that uh, mid-range portion. Um, during the team, we, we broke a national record for the Palma um, match, we broke the range record for the Palma portion as well as the overall team portion and took first place in the Palma team, the 1,000-yard team, and the overall team aggregate. Um, I won a couple of daily eggs during long range, and um, I think it was fourth place overall for for the long range. Uh, but it, it was, you know, one of those things where um, we knew each other fairly well, and when you know when you know your teammates and and your coach and everything that well, then then you're kind of on the same wavelength, and everything falls into place. But it was special, and and definitely, you know, making some memories that'll last for a long time. Well, the next time you come back, Ian, we're going to have to talk more about what what the teamwork part of of F-Class shooting is, and I know that's very important, but we didn't get to talk about it today. Uh, I want to thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, You've been a great guest. Uh, You know, I'm just humbled to be a a, a part of that success with the the stock that uh, you're shooting. It makes me feel good, Uh, and and I I have no doubt that uh, the way you've been shooting lately, uh, I'm going to see you up in Canada in August for the World Championships. Look forward to it. Thanks for the thanks for the vote of confidence, guys, and and uh, thanks a lot for for inviting me on. Once again, we've come to the end of another great show. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for spending your very valuable time with us. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on VoiceAmerica.com Sports Channel for another session of Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.